Welcome to the Future Church Podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit anthonydelaney.com. Hi, I want to welcome you to the Future Church Podcast. I'm Anthony Delaney, leader at Ivy Church in Manchester, founder of Launch Church Multiplication Catalyst. God is doing a new thing, and this podcast is where I help to unpack and showcase the future thinking of practical, professional, and prophetic voices in church, leadership, and culture to help us perceive and respond to the new Reformation revolution that we're all living through. I'm joined today by my friend William van der Blumen, founder and director of van der Blumen Search Group. Combining over 15 years of ministry experience as a senior pastor with the best practices of executive search and HR to provide faith-based organizations with a unique offering. A deep understanding of local church and theology with the very best knowledge and practices of professional executive search and organizational excellence. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We looked at the importance of hyper-flexibility, in the, in the contextualized places where we are doing ministry, the balance between agility and stability in leadership and uh, how not to get hiring wrong in this season and so much more. Have a listen and be sure to subscribe as our next podcast is going to be with the amazing Danielle Strickland. You don't want to miss that, but for now, relax and enjoy Future Church. So it's my great delight to be with William van der Blumen. We met um, many years ago at a conference called Catalyst. And uh, I remember then that he was really only just starting out in uh, having been a, a pastor and now looking at how to help other churches to be able to um, make the best possible staffing decisions. And then since then, uh, the, the, um, the work that bears his name uh, has gone well beyond him and has become uh, not just nationally uh, renowned across the US but around the world, is known to be a place whereby people uh, can go for a trusted source for help, for advice, for recruitment, um, but not only for that, for getting the best out of people and drawing out what God's put into them and helping to match needs with people and uh, uh, to be able to... Um, get the very best out of people. Last year, we were delighted to have William join us at the launch conference, and um, I interviewed him on stage, and then he gave what was one of the totally highest-rating seminars that we had from people who just found it so helpful in our context um, to be able to, to look at some of these questions too. So can I just uh, welcome you, um, William, and it's great to have you with us. Great to be with you, Anthony. I'm uh, so fun to be with you guys last fall and and see all the amazing things the network is doing in the conference and uh just thrilled to be able to to visit with you again and hope it adds some value thank you and uh, we're looking forward to having you again this year we don't know what that's going to look like um but one way or the other we're determined to be able to hear from your wisdom and i suppose that kind of leads me into what would be like an opening uh question for our time together you know, there's, there's um, as, as everybody knows, I don't have to go over it, the world has changed. We're now making plans and we're thinking about November, but how, you know, I was just in a, in a conversation with Emma who runs the launch conference. We were, we were saying, well, we've got this plan and we have this plan and we have this idea and we have that idea. But, you know, flying people in, having large gatherings together in big rooms, 
all those kind of things. And certainly in the UK, where we're at at the moment, it's unlikely to be able to happen in that way. And so this kind of thing is more and more the new um, space that we find ourselves in. So um, in, in that sense, what do you think, that you, as you've been processing this from your perspective and talking to others, um, what are the, the things that uh, we've been forced to have to change and what are the things that perhaps actually we can we we can learn um, as we go into a new future to be able to do even even better? That's a great question. I, I'm a, as you know, a recovering preacher, so I tell stories. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think about now, and it reminds me of some time about I don't know um, four or five years ago, and I think you uh, are into fitness a little bit. So uh, I'm a jogger. I would say a runner, but that's ambitious. Uh, jogging's a better word. And I finally got to the age in my 40s where I needed to start stretching more because I'd gotten injured. And so I, who likes stretching, you know? So I, I, I decided for a week or so I'd try it. And um, the, the stretching after the run was harder than the run itself. And I, I sit and try and touch my toes and sweat like a dog. And, and I remember, Anthony, I was stretching one day and just looking like a mess. I was in pain and stretching. And my youngest daughter, who was oh, three or four at the time, walked in and just looked at me up and down and then sat down next to me and tied herself into a human pretzel, you know, like, like only a toddler can do. And then stood back up and looked at me again and laughed at me and left the room without saying a word. And I just felt so deflated. I mean, this, I, and then it dawned on me, uh, you know what? Every day I'm alive, I get less flexible. Wow. That's a biological fact. Mm. But when I say that to a room, of, a room of preachers, they all go, oh, and they write it down because it, it's so true for any organization. The longer you're alive, you naturally become less flexible. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to now and the world's been disrupted and the word unprecedented is now an overused word. Who would have thought? Uh, I, I think what I'm learning is that I have to, you say what's been forced, I have to force myself to stretch more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, something that, that, uh, begins with me setting the tone. I've actually started a pretty good stretching regimen for the last seven or eight weeks, uh, nearly every day, and and it, I feel better. Uh, but but when I think about setting the pace for my staff, mm. I have to show them not just a physical stretching regimen that I am fighting against that natural tendency to stiffen up. Because the the if COVID has done one thing, it's accelerated. Right. It's disrupted and there have been people that have died and that's horrible. And, the, you know, there was loss. But but COVID as a phenomenon, at least here in the States, mm. has just accelerated things that were already happening. You know, we were starting to use Zoom. We we help churches find their pastor or their staff. So we've done probably 20,000 face to face interviews with pastors over the years. We're moving toward 20,000 Zoom interviews before COVID ever hit. And, uh, you know, you'd find in the early days, you'd do a Zoom interview. We've used it since day one. And it would start with the, you know, is this thing on? And then, it, oh, you're muted. And, and, and 
nobody really wanted to use it and they had a bad internet connection. And you spent the first 15 minutes of the meeting just making sure that people knew what they were doing. It was really awkward and it was bad. The COVID has accelerated our learning. Mm-hmm. Where now uh, you've got a, a, a group of people who are used to this sort of thing. Well, it's accelerated a lot of other things too. For instance, uh, preaching is going to have to be completely different than it was, mm-hmm. irrespective of whether you're in the room or online. And then you say, well, how? Uh, I, I have a pastor friend I go on walks with here in Houston, and uh, he said to me, you know, he's got a great church. It's not a mammoth-sized church, but it's, it's a good-sized church. And they started their church online somewhere in March or April, uh, which they'd never done before. Uh, mm-hmm. Another acceleration, right? And um, after a few weeks, he said, William, I'm really concerned my people are never going to come back to church. I'm like, well, why is that? And we'll call him Anthony, okay? So uh, he said, he, I said, Anthony, why are you worried about that? And he said, well, you know, we never got online for church before, and we knew it was out there, but this has accelerated us into online church. And what it's also done is it has taught all of my people how to go find better preaching than me. And they can hear his words were, they can now Netflix the best preaching in the world on demand. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's actually a valid concern because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're just like musicians. They're tens of thousands of talented musicians. There are only 30 or 40 that hit the charts that everybody wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Same is true with preaching. And now uh, COVID has accelerated what was already happening where people are able to dial up or tune in or look on their phone and watch whether it's Steve Furtick or Bishop Jakes or Craig Grishel or you fill in the blank and people, it's been there, but people now realize it. So, so what does the local preacher have to do as they learn to stretch and fight that, that natural tendency to stiffen up? They've got to pivot their preaching. Mm-hmm. You say, well, how do I compete with Craig Grishel? He's such a good preacher. Well, guess what? Craig Grishel is not preaching in your town. You know, God, God has assigned every pastor a flock. And I think that preaching after this uh, uh, acceleration normalizes, preaching will have to be more localized than ever. Hyper contextualized is the phrase that I've been using. Mm-hmm. So that, Anthony, you say to people, well, uh, instead of the, the sermon series of five ways to improve your marriage or, or whatever the thing is, you, you can say, Here's how you improve your marriage in our particular town, in the day that I'm particularly preaching. Yeah. And that, that's a huge task. It changes sermon preparation. Uh, you know, I, the, the sermon preparation that's been going on here, when I was a pastor, I would plan sermons a year out, series a year out. I'd, I'd get basic frameworks set. Uh, you know, who really kept their preaching schedule once COVID hit? Like, didn't everybody change? Or you get used to online preaching and COVID happens. And, and then here in the States, we recently had uh, the police brutality that resulted in Mr. Floyd's death. And on the one hand, I have a good friend who used to be a cop. He's on this Zoom call. So I don't, you know, <laughs> they're good people who are in law enforcement. You don't condemn the whole industry because of a mistake. On the other hand, there's racism going on that needs to be named. Yeah, And every good preacher in America dropped their sermon plans for the day mm. and had to redo what they were thinking. So I think that, that when, you, when you think as a preacher, 
of a pastor and a preacher, there's a need for two things, hyper-contextualization of, I am in this particular province, this parish, this place. What does God's eternal word have to say to this place in this time? And there, there are two components there, in this place and then at this time. It's going to change sermon preparation. It's going to change uh, the qualities that people respect and stick to. I, I don't know how long you all are, are going to be quarantined or staying at home or whatever the right term is for over there. But, uh, you know, when this is over, there are going to be people that used to just come to church because they were kind of used to it that won't come back. Yeah. And there'll be new people that will say, this is really interesting. And I want to I want to be a part of this. And it, if you as a pastor right now can focus on hyper contextualizing both for time and place into the province that God has sent you to. Well, then I think you're going to become interesting in a way that never gets replaced by someone that's a fantastic preacher like Craig Rochelle. And maybe your people listen to you and then also listen to a great Bible teacher. Well, who's to argue with that? More Bible, better Christians, right? So, so I, I think that as I see smart pastors, they're studying their environment. And there's several layers to that we could go over if you want. But uh, the, the, the hyper-contextualization of ministry, I'm called to this place right here, right now. Uh, it's, it's how Jesus did things. All of his parables were about the particular context he was in. And now we spend hours and hours studying saying, well, when you would fish on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, that really meant... Well, all Jesus was doing was taking eternal truths and dropping them down into the context in which he was placed. Mm. So, so I think there's going to be a renewed need for that. And yep. then on the leadership side, we're going to have to fight this desire or natural inclination to become less and less flexible by trying new things regularly, by hiring for agility. Yes. And, and, and there's, there's a careful, careful balance there. And we can go into that as well. But I think the preaching is going to have to be hyper-contextualized, and that's going to require new agility. And leadership is going to need to require new agility uh, in a way that isn't different than before COVID, but has been vastly accelerated. And some will get left behind, and some new people will rise to the top. That's good. That's really, really helpful. And I suppose, I mean, there's, so what you're talking about, there's, there's an element of their skills. There's various skills that need to be acquired and things that come to the but there's also, I suppose, in a sense, character issues. I don't mean character in terms of whether or not a person's a good person or a person of integrity. I mean, I mean things like, um, you know, like you're saying, agility is, is um, you know, if somebody's living in fear, they're not going to be agile. You know, if, if uh, okay. so there's a, there's a sense in which some of the internal qualities of leadership are, are needing to be, will, will be being expressed in, the, in these terms, you know, and if, like you say, well, here, um, when all of the racism stuff suddenly came to the fore, um, I actually decided rather than have me preach at all, I've been doing a series on James. We, well, we, we, the way we did it, we changed. We, had a, we, we were already at go with a Rick Warren series that we were going to be using about time to dream just after Easter, and then this all happened. And it's like, it's probably not quite time to dream right now, so let's pause that. Let's look at James and scattered people of God under persecution. Yeah, so we've been doing that. But then the flexibility comes where, when it was like last minute, mm, could make it work, but then it, I'm making it work. Let's instead get a guy who I know who 
who is a, a black pastor in London, from London who's written on racism and especially racism in the church. And we had him address us. So we were just in learning posture and listening posture. But I think that, that there's, it's, it, you've got to, in a way, be willing to, to say, I can't control. There's some things I can control and some things I can't control. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I think, so when you, how do you, how do I look for somebody then? How do, say you're saying we're going to, I mean, the way I look at it, 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 it with anything like this, you're going to have some people in the future, in any industry that you're going to have, some people you're going to end up, um, who will be retrained, some people who will be redeployed, some people who will be redundant, effectively, okay. and some people who will be recruited into the new future. Um, so how do I look for people? How do I build a, a flexible, adaptive team? What are the kind of things that such a person would evidence? Well, there's a, there's, so there's a balance in looking for agility and not, because if you think about the church, yes, we need to adapt. It's the same eternal message, mm -hmm. just a new way of doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the reason people call a sanctuary a sanctuary is because it's a place that you go when it's windy and terrible outside and you find stability. Mm. Right. So the church for centuries has been a place where people go to find stability in the middle of a storm. Yeah. You know, it, it, and, and you can be the coolest, newest, modern church in the world. People are not coming there because it's cool and modern. They're coming for a stable, eternal message, a very present help in a time of trouble, a refuge and a strength, you know, the, the, the safe haven, the city of refuge. I mean, you go through all the scriptural. So on the one hand, the deep longing of the soul, as, as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. So the human soul is craving the stability that comes through the salvation Christ offers and through the sanctuary that the church expresses, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if we just do things in a stable, staid, calcified way, we're going to get left behind. So there's this need for agility, but there's a need for stability. You know, people are not tuning into your church to hear the latest news. They want to hear an eternal message. But you better be able to deliver it in a, in a manner that's agile. So, so when, why do I say this? When you're staffing, it's easy to get excited about someone who's agile. If you hire pure agility, you're in for a nightmare. Mm. If you hire pure stability, you're in for a sleepy, sleepy time. So, so how do you find the two together? I recommend a book to you. It's a totally secular book by a friend of mine who's a senior partner at a consulting firm called Bain, uh, which is in the United States and maybe the world, arguably the best management consulting firm in the world. The book is called Doing Agile Right. And so uh, Daryl Rigby is the senior author. We actually have a, a podcast with him. We could send you the link if that's helpful. Cool. But, but he, he just brings this right to the fore. He says, so on the one hand, you need agility. On the other hand, you need stability and predictability. How do you find the two? And I told him, man, I, you know, my, the last church I pastored was First Presbyterian Church of Houston, Texas. So Sam Houston used to attend our church. So it's been around. Now, it's not been around by your standards. Nothing here is old compared to Europe. But by our little standards in our short sliver of time, it's an old church and it's been around a long time. I left there and founded a company with 
duct tape and paper clips and just threw it together like a church planter. So I've kind of lived in the super calcified world and the, uh, the, the, if you're in a startup or like you, your church, probably every job description has the words other duties as necessary, which okay. means <laughs> total agility. And Daryl said, well, you've got to have both. And I said, well, how do you test for that? How do you hire for that? He said, well, you look for people who've worked in predictably productive environments that have been given a controlled environment for a liberated experiment. Hmm. And, and, and you can do this with your current staff. Where can you create a liberated experiment, like give people autonomy over something that if it blows up, it won't be the end of the world, but keep it, keep it liberated enough for them to try, but stable enough that it won't blow things up. You know, I mentioned Craig, who's a friend. I know, you know, Rochelle, uh, he says, you know, if you surround yourself, if, if you give people tasks, you'll surround yourself with doers. If you give people authority, you'll surround yourself with leaders. And so it's a great thing to say, but do you really give authority to people over everything uh, right away? Well, no, it's got to be a controlled, those who are faithful with a little are faithful with much. So so in your own staff right now, I think it'd be wise to start looking for where are new initiatives that we can fail and it's okay. And, 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 and failing does not mean, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a term that I hear a lot in management that says, oh, fail fast. We like a culture where people are allowed to fail fast. Well, any idiot can fail. You know, the, the, the smart people learn from the failure. Yeah. So, so what does this all boil down to? A couple things if you're looking for staff. First of all, I just ask people, you know, what are some new hobbies you've picked up recently? Mm. If they don't have any, it's like... Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, what's a new book you've read recently? What's a new method you've tried recently? Not what would you try? Anyone can dream about agility, but what have they shown? There's a line in hiring that says the greatest predictor of future performance is past performance. Yeah. People are habitual. So they're habitually agile or trying new things, or they're habitually not agile. Yeah. Another thing to think about when you're looking for agility is what role are you trying to fill? Mm. You know, if you're looking for an accountant or someone to keep your books, you don't want a lot of agility. You don't need creative bookkeeping that lands you in jail. <laughs> but but on the other other hand, uh, you, you you don't want a, a staid and always the same worship leader. Mm. Right. It, it, you you want some variance. You want some creativity. So understanding how much agility is needed in the role you're looking for is one thing like Emma's job. I mean, mm. she's got to be agile. I mean, goodness, planning a conference with the plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, depending on what happens. Tremendous agility. Mm. You know, the person that that keeps the books, not so much. So so it's it's a balance of looking for what am I looking for and how much agility is needed and then testing for their agility. What have they been doing that's agile? Yeah. And then if it's a current staff person, it's, it's offering opportunities for people to, to have authority to try new things, a controlled environment for a very liberating experience, and, and begin to see who can stretch, who can go, and who can go to the next level. Now, the flip side, you find somebody who's agile all the time, you need to test for stability. Mm. Uh, you don't need somebody. I mean... Agile all the time can also be diagnosed as ADD. 
<laughs> and, and that's okay to a certain extent, but you don't need a staff full of ADD people. You, you fall prey to the shiny object syndrome. I, I call it SOS. Oh, look over there. Oh, look over there. Or like a dog when you see squirrel, you know, like <laughs> you, you don't need staff that do that. So it's a balancing act. And I think it's also a balancing of the portfolio of people on your staff. You can't have all agility on your staff. Nothing will ever happen the same way. Uh, and, and in order for a business to scale or a church to scale, you have to have repeatable systems. Yeah. Like middle management does have to happen. That's not a dirty word. Uh, people that are steady producers are the backbone of scaling a church. But you can't just have people that won't do things the same, that won't change the way they do things every single time. So I think it's really cool to think about agility and every day we're live, we get less flexible. But if you overextend that, uh, you run the risk of just becoming chaotic. And at the end of the day, people don't go to church because they're searching for chaos. They're trying to get out of the chaos and find stability. That's good. Well, you've diagnosed me there because AD being my initials, I'm nearly, nearly there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I just think so. Looking forwards um, as best we can with giving you permission to fail on this because nobody knows the future. Um, what kind of things as we look forward at the church that is to come, the church that will be? Um, you know, it's like we found, obviously, that during this season, some of the guys that used to help us out, and we thought, oh, it's great to have those guys around because they can help us with, you know, the, the audio visual stuff and, and putting together a bit of video every now and then, and those kind of things. Like, now, we're like, how do we do church without them? And they're, they're, so they're, they're, their roles have, have gone up here. And then there's perhaps other things that you kind of go, oh, I'm not so sure we, we're even needing to do that. Now, is that, you know, I suppose they're like it, if we were thinking like an economy, you could think, well, some companies go down, companies go up, and, and then in the end it all rounds out. But, you know, what kind of things do you think, are the people that, that we should be, because there's another R, I think I mentioned in those different, one of them is recruit. He's like, is there some people, the smart churches, if you haven't got a something, you really need to be thinking about that. And then there's some things that, that ultimately, perhaps, now they've got kind of less importance in churches, but actually they were probably not that important anyway. And, and you know, we could kind of say, well, you know, maybe now is a good time to stop doing some things. Um, you know, each church decides that. But how do you see this kind of staffing of a, of a future church? What kind of things is it going to look like? Yeah. Well, let, let me begin that answer by backing up to your initials. Oh, if, if you're AD and maybe ADD, let me just tell you, I, I have the honor of working with some of the best and most entrepreneurial pastors in the world. And what you're doing over there is amazing. And, and what Craig's done at Life Church is amazing. And I, I could list so many entrepreneurial pastors. I, I really think that some of the best gifts God gives a person to be a lead pastor almost inherently makes them border on being ADD. Uh, you have to be able to spin the plates and do 5,000 things. It's just, it's a fact. So the smartest pastors gain some self-awareness of that and build a team around them that can manage that. And that doesn't mean manage that like manage you. What it means is finding people who can provide predictable systems or pick up things that aren't uh, getting followed through on because you're moving on to the next thing. And, and finding people that do that, here's, here's the difference. Like 
finding a CFO, if you're an entrepreneurial type pastor and you know, okay, if I'm really honest, I'm, I'm AD, but not ADD, your CFO or your bookkeeper or whatever the, the, the right term for your church is, uh, they need to be stable, but they need to be stable with a predisposition toward agility. And what do I mean? Oh, you ask the finance guy, can we afford to do this? What is the first word out of their mouth? No, no, no. What if you found somebody who could be around your creative force that some might call ADD and their answer is yes, but let me tell you what yes would look like. Mm -hmm. You see the difference is you find people who lead with the yes into that ADD. So as you're thinking about staffing, it's great to try and find some uh, stability to match agility, Mm -hmm. But, but that stability needs to be one that's rooted in a solution and not in naming a problem. And I think if there were an overarching theme for staffing in a world that's gotten accelerated by COVID, it's look for people who are on the solution side. Uh, A mentor of mine used to say, everybody in life falls on either the solution side of the equation or the problem side of the equation. Now is not the time to find people on the problem side. It's to find people on the solution side. Even your risk management people need to be thinking positively yeah. I, I say people, you, you know, if, in our company, if you come here uh, and you're, if, if you know Winnie the Pooh, if, you, if you're like Tigger, you're going to make it. If you're like Eeyore, you're going to hate it here. Uh, you know, there's, the negativity just doesn't work. So for staffing, I think uh, finding people, whatever position is, finding them on the solution side is a big deal. Secondly, I'd take a look at your current staff. There's going to be some positions, depending on how long it is before you can meet in person that really are just not worth paying. Mm. I mean, why pay? Uh, some churches use volunteers, some pay, but why pay five or six worship leaders right now? Mm. It's just not necessary. They can't get together. So, I mean, you know, do you cut that and then have to go find new people in 12 months when you can gather together or whatever the number is? Maybe, but maybe the smarter thing to do, and I'm picking on that one position, but there are plenty of like children's pastors you know, or assistant director of this or, or, or a facilities manager. Like these are things that just aren't needed. So what I see smart churches do is they don't just look for the tasks that need to be done, but they look for the inherent leadership capacity of the people they've got on their staff. So is this a person who can recruit, train and retain volunteers? Mm. And if they are, no matter what their job, hang on to them, find a way to let them work find a way to keep them on staff. Don't let them go. There is a way, if you look for the solution side, to keep those people because they're very, very hard to replace. And once this is over, whatever that means, there's going to be a storm surge of people wanting to be in church. Uh, There has never been a global crisis that's not followed by a spiritual awakening. Mm. You can't undo that phenomenon. There are tens of thousands of years of that phenomenon. Global crisis, people run to God. So we are in for harvest time. And I think cutting too quickly out of your staff will leave you in a real pinch when this is over. So you're looking for people, you said that you would be able to, what are the things that they, it's really about people who are leaders of leaders. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. The hero makers, right? Mm -hmm. The people who can recruit, train and retain volunteers and other leaders. And then if you, if you hang on to them and you're short a children's pastor, they can go be a children's pastor. You, you lose your you know, tech person, 
maybe they don't know tech, but they can recruit people with tech. So hang on to those people. Find ways to redeploy and reassign duties before just making someone redundant because we don't need them for the next 12 months, right? Sure. Uh, I think another thing to think about is that having to make those choices now because of the financial pinch that they're feeling. And in a yeah. way, you would say, well, don't let the finances necessarily drive those kind of decisions because you could end up regret, you know, living to regret it. Um, That's right. That's right. I, I also think that uh, the future will demand people who can at least think like a digital native, if not be a digital native. Hmm. And what I mean by that is if you've got people who can't help you with your online service, I, whether you here in the States, some churches are already open. Some are opening every week. Um, I don't know how long it'll be for you guys. Sooner or later, they will reopen. And uh, guess what? The online service is not going away. Mm -hmm. it, you're, you're not going to just stop doing online church. My mother, who attends a little Presbyterian church in the woods of North Carolina, they, they would... They hadn't changed their hymnal in years. I mean, think about that sentence for a little while. Uh, it, and now they're doing online church. It's not going to stop. Yeah. Churches that just quit doing it will lose a lot of people. This is the new front door to your church. Mm -hmm. So why do I bring this up with staffing? Well, when you're staffing going forward, it is absolutely essential that you find staff who can think digitally. So I, I think, uh, you know, the first job I had at a seminary was an associate pastor. And I, I'm pretty sure my job description was all the things the senior pastor doesn't want to do anymore because it was just the two of us on staff. Right. I know. But, so I think that a significant percentage of young associate pastors or assistants or whatever, whatever title it is for your denomination or background, that instead of just what the senior pastor doesn't want to do, it's what they can't do digitally. Mm. And and that's going to be uh, such a push for online church. Now, the flip side of that is it's, it's not just a push for online church and social media and all that. If you just hire someone who's tech savvy, you're in for a lot of trouble theologically. Mm. Uh, so, so theological training and nuance, I think you're going to see a rise in the need for that. And a lot of it can be done online now. You don't have to go away to seminary for years and years. But if you don't have people who can think theologically about what they're doing. In, in times in the church history when there's been high acceleration of growth, there's also been high deviance in theology. Yeah. You can go back to Augustine and the Gnostic controversy. You can go to the Reformation and a lot of people that there was acceleration of growth, but a lot of people got way off base. Think about the canonization of scripture. There were a lot of people who had gospels that just didn't need to be in the Bible. And so, so if you want to forecast a little bit, it's this weird combination of somebody who can think theologically and act digitally. And that is going to be a rare commodity. But if you can find that person and you can train one or the other, I, I think you're in for a, a good run for the next little bit. Because I hear what you're saying around the localization. And I think that that is true. And many churches, that will be the case. And we want to, well, I think I'd see us in a sense personally for Ivy, where we are as a, little, as a net, small network. But we are. Um, we, we're kind of bridging both in a way. You know, we've, we've got um, a couple who used to come to Ivy and moved to Australia who now just been back in touch saying, can we rejoin and be part of it? And another couple who moved to, the, to New Orleans who similarly are saying, actually, ever since we moved over here, we've really stayed connected to Ivy and we want to carry on. And so their heart is here. And then we've got other people who've joined us through this. And it's like, I can't envisage 
as a pastor, thinking, well, now those people can just go off and watch what they want because, in a sense, they, you know, the Lord's brought them to us just as much as somebody who came and knocked on the front door and came through into the church. So we've got a responsibility, I think, if people have, uh, have found us or refound us. I think there's a lot of people refinding, reconnecting in this season too, and uh, church has got to be good, good for those. Yeah. Oh, well, and it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be, a, I'm loyal to one thing. Like growing up here in the States, we had three television channels, maybe four, right? And so I watched one of them and we watched the one that had the news anchor that we were favorites with. Well, now you get your news mm. on your phone at any moment. I will tell you though, and maybe I'm just old. When we're fixing dinner at night, we turn on the local television news for local news. So I think you might have people that move to New Orleans and they're a part of Ivy or Houston or wherever, but then they will want to be part of a local church. So they're going to be mutual and and uh, more cooperative relationships with members than ever before. I don't think you'll take away, though, uh, pastors might be worried, well, my people are going to attend whatever church they can find online. You will not root out of humans the desire to gather together in person. Yeah. It, it won't happen. Mm. You, know, you think back to the very beginning of our wiring, okay, the creation narrative, and God uh, says, let there be light, and there's light, and he says, oh, that's good. And then he creates all the other things, like the sun and moon and stars, that's good, it was good. Animals, it's good, it was good. Humans, Oh, that's very good. As soon as he created us. And, and so there's all this list of benedictions, blessing. Yeah. This is good. This is good. This is good. Well, where is God's first curse? Where is his first malediction? He says, you know what's not good? It is not good for people to be alone. Yeah. And so, so from the moment we were formed, yes. we were coded to be together in person. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if Zoom really were the answer, Jesus would have just Zoomed it in instead of being born here, right? So, so there's, there's, yes, you're going to have people that want to be a part of the church that they were a part of back at Ivy, but they live in New Orleans, or, or they love watching the, a great preacher from across the country, but you're not going to get away from people wanting to get together. And I think the local church pastor has to say, what then do we offer that's unique? Mm. And the, and the gospel is ubiquitous, but what about the gospel can we offer uniquely to our community that will draw them and yeah. feed them and equip them to then go be the church in our local community? Mm. No. That's good. And it is being the church. It isn't necessarily just doing services on Sundays. It's those kind of experiences which pull people into the connectivity of I'm in a community that's making a difference with, with others for Jesus in, in, the, in the situation that he's placed us. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's not good to be alone. Yeah, it's good. not good to be alone. <laughs> um, well, William, this has been so insightful and helpful. Is there anything you kind of feel before we, as, we, as we're closing out? There's, you know, if you could kind of write something on a billboard right now and uh, have everybody kind of hear it, what would, you know, maybe there's something that you feel well, so important at the moment. I think if I'm talking directly to pastors, and I think I, I think that's your primary audience, uh, the first thing I'd tell you is thank you. Uh, you are on the front lines of ministry 
in a spiritual war that's unlike anything we've ever seen. And it really is unprecedented. And I, I'm in the cheap seats. I just help churches out. You're on the front line. And, you know, the day will come when you're old and gray and your grandchildren are running around and it's dinner time. And they're saying, the grandchildren are saying, if I have to hear one more story about 2020, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> it's okay. You're living in a magical time and a time of great spiritual pregnancy. And I would just offer a word of encouragement to you. And, and as you have to sit still, if you're like me, I am an extrovert. And I'm like you, Anthony. My initials should be ADD. And it's made me crazy to have to sit at home as long as I have. And it's made me cra- I want to go do. I want to go do. I was talking to an, a friend of mine who's just turned to 80. His name's Gordon McDonald. Mm-hmm. well-known pastor here in the United States. And I said, what should we do with this time? And he said, William, when have pastors ever been forced to sit still this long? Mm-hmm. Imagine what would happen if pastors would spend this time sheltering in place saying, God, what are you trying to work on inside of me? Wow. Yeah. What are you trying to use this time of sitting still to prepare me for. And I just said, wow, I need to get it back into a better prayer life. I need to get, and, and then I was immediately reminded, you know, Jesus only did his ministry for three years and he was alive for 30 in preparation. And before he went right into the surge of ministry, hmm. he went out into the desert and was alone. Hmm. And it was a time, yes, of temptation, but that was after 40 days. It was a time of preparation. There's a storm surge of ministry coming, and you have a chance to sit still right now with God and say, Lord, what do I need to work on right now so that I can be ready to be used in a time like no other? So I'm just pulling for everybody watching this and praying for you all, here to help you however I can, and uh, just encourage you that you are living in special days and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, William. Well, may the Lord bless you and all that you're doing for us, for the wider church family all around the world, and uh, continue to give you his grace and his favor as you're uh, such a great partner to, uh, to be. I don't even see it as alongside the church, because for me, church is, is the people of God on move with him into the nation. So everything that you're doing is church, and uh, we are so grateful for all that you're doing. And thank you for your friendship and your time that you've been able to give to us today. Um, I'm going to show this to our staff and our elders, and we're going to do what we can to be able to get the, the word out so that other people will also be encouraged as I've been from our time together. Thank you, William. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at anthonydelaney.com.